Hi there, I'm Lane and this is Property Explained. These are my words and now I'm going to read them to you. Growth versus yield properties. Can you have it both ways? In property investment circles, it's typically thought that there are two property quote-unquote types. The first increases in value fast, but doesn't achieve a high cash flow. This is called a growth property. The second achieves a better cash flow, but it doesn't grow in value as quickly. This is a yield property. There is often a trade-off between the two, which basically means you can't have both a growth and a yield at the same time. You've sort of got to choose between one or the other. In this article, you'll learn what the differences are between the two property types, how to spot them, and how to work out which one works better for you and your portfolio. Let's dive in. So what's the difference between a growth and a yield property? A growth property tends to be a standalone house or a townhouse in a good area or neighbourhood. Often, they're the sort of properties owner-occupiers desire and will bid up the price for. It's traditionally thought that owner-occupiers make more emotionally-based buying decisions than investors, and that they'll overpay for their family home. Because of this, a growth property tends to be a single dwelling for one family to live in. On the other hand, a yield property tends to be specifically configured to achieve high rents. For example, a classic yield property might be a room-by-room rental. So let's say it's a four-bedroom property, each with its own self-contained ensuite, a small communal lounge and kitchen area, and in this setup, the living space is sacrificed for bedrooms. In doing so, because the investor can rent each room separately to like a student or a professional, the result is a high yield, which is really great for an investor, but less attractive to an owner-occupier who tends to want all that living space and that big kitchen area for family meals and for kids to play in. So because yielding properties are set up in this way, they're less appealing to own occupiers and are only attractive to investors. Also, because this sort of property would only be bought by an investor for yield, the value of the property tends to grow in line with rental increases only. So the rate of growth is slower than house price growth. There are a couple of examples of what a growth and a high yielding property looks like in the article you're listening to. Go take a look. So, which property gives a better return? A growth property will provide a better return overall, but there is a trade-off. These properties are often negatively geared. Now, the term negative gearing is a piece of investor jargon. All it means is that you have a cash flow shortfall between what the property makes in rent and the property's costs and expenses. First-time investors can assume investing is cheaper than it is. They think, oh great, I'm going to have a tenant paying off my mortgage, super easy. But in practice, when investment properties are first bought, and for a few years afterwards, they will be negatively geared, which means the rental income won't cover all the costs required to run the property. This is why some investors are surprised to learn they have to pay a contribution to their property, known as a top-up. Sometimes the top-up's 50 bucks a week, other times it's 200 It really, really depends on the situation. Now, in the article, there's a table showing how the numbers stack up, comparing a growth versus a yield property, over a 15-year period. And this is if you're borrowing 100% of the money to invest in the property. I'm going to summarize it for you guys listening. Okay, so basically, let's say you've got a $600,000 property, but one's a growth and one's a yield. The capital growth on the growth property is going to be slightly higher, so 5% to only 3%. But the cash flow per week for a growth property is minus 50 bucks a week, versus a positive $150 a week for the yielding property. Again, remember, all that means is that investors have to top up the growth property 50 bucks, but the investor with the yield property gets to pocket that money. In theory. This is all in theory, guys. Okay, now let's look 15 years into the future. This is where the differences really start to show. The capital growth on the growth property is $647,360, 
versus 334,780. The total cash flow is negative 39,000 for the growth and 117,000 for the yield. So what does all this mean? In this example, the growth property earned 34.66% more than the yield property. Although the property lost $50 a week in cash flow, it made an average of $380 a week in capital growth, which is a net of $780 gain per week. In contrast, the yield property made $150 a week in cash flow, but only made an average of $429 a week in capital growth, which is a net gain of $579 per week. This leads into the next question. So what type of property should I get for my strategy? Well, the type of property you choose will be influenced and suited to your stage of life. In property investment, there tends to be two stages of life. The first is where you're building up an asset base and growing your wealth. People in this stage tend to be wealth-focused and future-thinking. They are usually going to be 10 to 25 years away from retirement or from wanting a passive income. Growth properties are better suited for these sorts of people. Why? Because working professionals aren't really concerned about taking immediate cash flow from their properties, and they can afford to wait out the time it takes for the capital growth to do its thing. These investors will build a portfolio of growth properties with the occasional yield property thrown in there to support cash flow over their portfolio. The second stage of life is where you live off the proceeds of these assets that you have built in the first stage. So someone at this stage of life is likely to be a near retiree or someone who has already built up their assets over time and who already has a healthy amount of equity. A portfolio consisting of yield properties are better suited for these types of people. Why? Because these are the people wanting immediate cash flow or want to live entirely off their portfolio. Often at this stage, they'll purchase a yield property without a mortgage or for a very low mortgage and will be able to live off the rent from the property. Here's how the numbers tend to look when you buy a yield property without a mortgage. The purchase price is $600,000 with zero mortgage. The rent is $36,000 a year. Operating cost $10,000. So your pre-tax cash flow is going to be $26,000 annually, which is $500 a week. Once an investor is in a position to buy yield properties without a mortgage, the cash flow starts to look very attractive. A very comfortable retirement only takes two to four yield properties to fund if they're fully paid off. But investors need to start by building up their equity before moving on to the second stage. This is the reason investors will start out buying growth properties and then transition to yield properties in time. Oh, but how do I get both? I want both. Yeah, sure, it's understandable. We all want to be rich right now, right? But property investment is all about trade-offs. And there is a trade-off between getting really good capital growth and getting yield. Unfortunately, if you're following a passive buy and hold strategy, you just you can't have both mixed in the same property. Imagine there's a line. At one end, you've got high growth, and on the other end, you've got great yields. But each side sacrifices the other. What's most important is that you don't end up in the middle, because here, properties neither produce high growth or high yields, and these properties are just confused. But there is a way to get both if you build a portfolio consisting of both property types. So you mix property types. Let's say a growth property costs you 50 bucks a week in top up and each yield property makes 150 bucks a week. If you're in the first stage of life where you're trying to build your wealth, you might purchase one yield property for every three growth properties. This way, your yield property is effectively paying off all that top up for the other growth properties. This is what we call a GGGY growth, growth, growth yield plan because you would start by purchasing three growth properties and then complement these with a yield property. This is also known as a wealth wheel. Okay, so once investors start looking at properties, they often want to know what sort of figures to aim for. 
or like what yield and growth rates should I use for each type of property. For example, they'll want to know what forecast to use for a good gross yield and a capital growth rate. In terms of growth properties, here at OPEZ we typically aim for a 4 to 4.75% gross yield. 4% is the minimum. Depending on the location, we would use a forecast capital growth rate between 5 and 6%. Comparatively, we would be expecting a yield property to see 5.5 to 6.5% gross yield, and we tend to use a capital growth rate of 3 to 4%. If you want to know more about gross yields, for example, what they are and how they're calculated, head to the website, click on our resources tab up the top, and then go to rental yield calculator. So growth or yield. The reality is the right next property for you as a potential investor is going to be influenced by your age, current portfolio, and your personal investment goals. Summed up simply, investors under the age of 55 or more than 10 years from retirement tend to focus on growth properties with the occasional yield property thrown in. Those who have already built up a base of equity and are near the point where they want a passive income tend to focus on yield properties.